praise God. You know, it's, it's so good to be able to praise and worship God. You know, we, we, we should be doing this. God deserves this every day throughout all the days. And if we will take praise breaks and worship breaks just to, to refocus on God because without Him, it's not possible. With Him, all things are possible. Uh, this morning... Uh, we are, are going to continue on where we've, we've been, which is in the book of Ezekiel. Uh, I had really felt God was speaking to my life and encouraged me to speak to the body here about what, what happened in one of the visions that Ezekiel had. And it's because of what was going on in Israel and how difficult a time it was and how they were taken out of, they were taken captive, and, and it happens, just like it happens in our lives. Israel uh, turned away from God. They went their own way, and whenever we do that, when we move away from God, we are always moving towards sin. And when they get, whenever we get into sin, uh, we come into that place of being incarcerated. Uh, there is a, a a prison that sin puts us in. We, we basically walk into it. But uh, Israel had turned away from God, and they had gone into captivity under the, the people of Babylon. And again, they were not treated well, which happens all the time. When we go away from God, we move into the enemy's territory, and we know that, that moving away from God, we're moving towards sin, and the wages of sin, the payoff of sin is death. God doesn't want it, but he won't stop us from going the direction we're going. And so in Israel's time, they were, they were taken captive by Babylon, and while they were there, they heard that Jerusalem was destroyed, and uh, they, they got depressed, they became hopeless, and they determined that even their nation wouldn't, wouldn't exist. And this is, this is what was happening in that time where we look at this vision, that, that uh, prophetic vision that Ezekiel had, but it's very applicable to us. You know, there are all sorts of things happening in our country, um, in our world, that are, are just destructive. And uh, God took Ezekiel out in the spirit to this valley. And it, we don't know how big the valley was, but we do know this about the valley. The valley was full. The floor of the valley was full of these scattered, dry bones. And, and God let Ezekiel know that this, these bones represented the house of Israel. And they were scattered. They were disconnected. They were all mixed up and confused. They were divided. Uh, they were very, very dry, which indicated there was no life and hadn't been life for a long time. And... As Ezekiel was taken around and shown all this, God asked him, Ezekiel, can these bones live? And I, I don't know about you. We talked about the fact that, you know, if we were in that situation, what would be, we be like? And, and he looked at all this stuff, and he's got to have an answer. God's asking him a question, but God's not really looking for information. God's going to locate Ezekiel. Where's Ezekiel? What's going on with him? And Ezekiel has this amazing answer. He says, oh, sovereign Lord. So he recognizes who God is. Oh, 
sovereign Lord, almighty God. Now we sang that this morning. But if we're fearful about anything, we're not recognizing him as almighty God. And so Ezekiel says, oh, sovereign Lord, almighty God. And then he says something that is so profound. You alone know the answer to that question. And that's true. It's true about every question, every situation. God knows the answer. But Ezekiel, in that moment, was so focused on God and so aware of, of who God was. And then, then we found out that, that God said to him uh, that he needed to prophesy. And we talked about prophecy being speaking inspired or directed by God. You don't have to tell the future, all right? And if you prophesy, it doesn't mean you're a prophet. But we're all supposed to. The Apostle Paul said in the New Testament, we should all desire to prophesy. And, and in the book of Acts, it tells us when the Spirit of God is poured out, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. It was from the book of Joel. And so God desires us to prophesy, but it, it's not about telling the future to somebody. It's about ins being inspired and directed by God to speak life, speak truth to whatever is going on. And you may say, well, how do I do that? You can do that because you can speak the Word of God. What is God's promise? What is God's truth? What has God said about a situation? It's not manipulating, it's speaking life. And so God was having Ezekiel speak life to these dry, dead bones that no one, no one but God knew whether they would be ever able to be a living person again. But God knew it. And God was going to allow Ezekiel the privilege of being used by God to bring life back to the nation. And I have to tell you that I, we, we were moving on and learning more about what was going on. And this week I have struggled so much because I, I wanted to, to get on to verse 9 and, and uh, the rest of the story and and as I would sit down and pray and study and, and try and get things together, it just wasn't working, and I was, I was really frustrated. And when that happens, I know, I know that I'm working against where I'm supposed to go because there are things I want to do. And it's, it's like I, I, I know sometimes people wonder, why do we review the way we review? And I will tell you that we review the way we, re we review it's not because I don't have something to say new. It's because I am very convicted by God that the Word of God says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We know that the motor of learning is repetition because when you look in the schools or any place else, we don't just have everything new. It builds, and we have to repeat and go back and, and continue to remind ourselves of the foundational things. And so there are times that, that we repeat things that we've already gone over, but the reason why is you and I may know it up here, but are we really applying it to our life? And if we aren't, we're in danger. To sit here and not apply something from a service or to read your Bible or to hear a teaching or watch a video, it's dangerous. And the danger is this, if we hear the word of God and we don't do it, we immediately move ourselves into the place of deception. 
Bible says if we're hearers and not doers of the word, we deceive ourselves. And in that place of deception, where there's deception, there is loss. There's loss. We're going to lose something. Something that we desperately need because it's the word of God. The Bible says man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. God may use a video. God may use a book. God may use whatever to get his word out there. But when that word comes, if we don't grab a hold of it with both hands, we're going to lose something that God has prepared and provided for us. And so there are times that I repeat, but it's also because we have people in here that haven't heard any of this before. So I, I didn't want to repeat. I wanted to go on, and I'm struggling and wrestling with God because God was, was trying to help me that I overlook something that was absolutely foundational in this teaching that we were just about to go on and we needed to go back and look at and build into us because without this foundation, it wasn't going to work. And then I heard a story, true story, about a man by the name of Tim. Tim lived in California. He lived up near uh, San Francisco. And this happened in, in 1984. He had to go across the Golden Gate Bridge on a regular basis, and uh, one day he was going across the Golden Gate Bridge, and, and back then there were toll booths. We don't have toll booths anymore because they've done away with them, but back then they had toll booths, and they had a whole bunch of toll booths, and Tim had his window down, and he was, he was just enjoying the fresh air and the sun that was in the San Francisco Bay on the Golden Gate Bridge, and and as he got closer and closer, he began to look like we all do or did for the quickest lane. And, and as he was looking, he noticed that there was this music, this crazy loud music. And so he thought, you know, who's around me that's, that's blasting their car stereo and there was nobody around him. And so as he got closer and closer, the music got louder and louder and he realized it was coming from the toll booth area. And as he looked for the right lane to get in because he wanted to get through it, he noticed as he went across all the toll booths, there was one toll booth, this guy is going <laughs> and just dancing like a maniac. And, and then he realized the closer he got, the music was coming from there. And he thought, you know, I'm going to go through his lane. And so he got up there and he's, he's getting closer and closer and and this guy is just having a ball. He's got a big smile. He is dancing all over and, and just having a great time. And Tim gets there, and he doesn't have the right change, so he gives him the money that he's got. He's waiting for his change, and he says to him, man, what's going on? And he says, I'm having a party. And he said, well, yeah, I, I can see that. And uh, well, why are you having a party? And at that point, the car behind him beeped his horn and laid on the horn and he knew he had to get through, so he got his change and took off. Later on down the road, a couple of days later, he sees this guy again, and he says, you know, i got to get back to him. i got to find out what's going on. So he gets in his lane, and, and he gets up there, and there's not a lot of traffic, and he says to him, so, so you're still dancing? He said, oh, yeah, I remember you. And, and why are you dancing? I'm having a party. And, and Tim said, well... Why? He said, man, are you kidding me? Look at this. Look at this. I have a corner office. Windows on all sides. 
I see the skyline of San Francisco. I see the hills over here. I see the San Francisco Bay. There are people that come from all over the world that I get to meet. And a car beeped. He had to go. So he got a little more information. Then he, he again got to this guy. And finally what ended up happening was Tim invited this guy for lunch, the toll booth keeper. And so they sat down to lunch and he said, tell me your story. And he said, man, I'm just having a ball. He said, yeah, I see that, but why? He said, okay, let me ask you a question. He said, when you come to, towards my toll booth, and you look on either side of my toll booth, what do you see? Tim thought, what do you mean, what do I see? He said, I see toll booths. Toll booth guy said, no imagination. And Tim said, well, I don't know. I see toll booths. What do you see? He said, I see vertical caskets. Tim thought, I don't know if I want to be here anymore. <laughs> but he said, okay, explain. He said, I'll tell you, here's what happens. At the beginning of our shift, I see live people walk up to these toll booths. They get in and they die for eight hours. And then at the end of the shift, they open up their, their doors and like Lazarus, they come out alive. And Tim thought, you know, that's a really unique perspective on what's going on. He said, so why are you having a party? Because he said, I already told you, my, my, my work environment is amazing. He said, why aren't the others invited? They aren't. They didn't choose to. And he said, and on top of that, do you know? That these guys that are paying me are paying me for eight hours work, and what I'm doing is I'm training. <laughs> Tim, Tim thought, training? Training for what? He said, in my heart, one day I'm going to be a dancer. And I get to dance for eight hours in the most beautiful environment. And so Tim heard his story. And he began to think, you know, it's all about perspective. This one man chose to look at what he was able to do and creatively and wonderfully enjoy where all these other people were living these lives of mediocrity, that were dying. This, this kind of job might grind you to dust. And here was this man among all these people that was alive and joy-filled and hope-filled and peace-filled. And as I began to think about that story about Tim and his encounter with this man, and I was praying, God, what am I missing that you're trying to get to me? I know you're trying. And he said, that guy's Ezekiel. Among all the nation of Israel, they were like those dead, dry, disconnected, scattered bones. But there was one that was alive, and God found him. Do you know that the Bible tells us 
that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout all the earth, looking, searching for someone whose heart is fully committed, fully turned, fully devoted to him, that he would be able to show himself strong on their behalf. This is what God's searching for. This guy chose. Ezekiel chose. When everybody else had lost hope, thought their nation was done for, Ezekiel didn't. Ezekiel was there looking for, listening for, waiting for God. And God met him right where he was. And God used him. How many of you really desire to see God use your lives, whether you're here or you're at home? You know, God can use anybody. Are we really really desiring that God would use us? Because he wants to, and we need to let him use us, because without that, we don't have life, and we can't bring life to anybody else. And just like Ezekiel, the Lord God began to speak to him and show him this picture of devastation. And then he asked him the question, and Ezekiel, Ezekiel's eyes weren't on the bones, because if they had been on the bones, he would have said, no, they can't live. If he had had his eyes on himself, he would have said, I can't do anything. But his eyes were on God. His focus was on God. His expectation was in God. And he said, oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know the answer to this. And then God began to tell him what the process was going to be. And he, he was telling him to prophesy to the bones and that God would put breath in the bones and he would put sinews on the bones, and he would put flesh on the bones, and he would put skin on the bones, and he would put breath in the bones, and then we pick this up in verse 7. Now, I know we've already been there, but verse 7 is where God just stopped my train, and he said, look at this again, read this again. And as I read it, I read, so I prophesied as I was commanded, and, and I just felt this unction from Holy Spirit to stop. And reminded me of verse 3 where he said, oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know the answer to this. And then God told him the plan, and then at this point, God tells him to prophesy, and he prophesies. So I prophesied as what? I know this doesn't seem like deep, heavy revelation, but I'm going to tell you something. This is something that is foundational. We all need this. And this is something that is easy to let go of and let slip. And because it does, we become unstable. We become very insecure in the world that we live in because there, are, there is so much going on, back and forth and up and down, and it will whip the legs right out from under you and take the breath away from you, not in a good way. And if this thing that we're going to look at today is not in place, it doesn't matter. You, you and I are not going to be like Ezekiel. We're not going to be what God needs us to be in this time. And so when it says, so I prophesied as I was commanded, I want to ask you a question here this morning. When was the last time somebody told you something you had to do? They basically commanded you. What was, what was going on inside you? I know. I know what, was going, what goes on inside me. It goes on inside all of us. You aren't the boss of me. Who are you to tell me what I have to do? 
Because that is raw flesh. That is us at our lowest. We don't want anybody telling us anything about what we ought to do, have to do, should do, could have done. Because who are they to tell us? Because when we, we receive that from somebody else, we think, I'm as smart as you are. I'm smarter than you are. But he prophesied as he was commanded. What happened right there is it, it reveals when he recognized God for who he was and said, you alone know. And then he prophesied as he was commanded. It was him being very aware. There was no discussion. There was no explanation. How many times do we want God to explain why he wants us to do something? Or tell us, well, you know, this is what's going to happen. So if you'll do this and this and this and this and this. You know, if God told us what we needed to do all the way through, we wouldn't do it because we'd be freaked out. Because everything God asks us to do is not just what we can do, it's what he and we can do. And so at this moment, we see something in Ezekiel's life that has to be, and it should be a part of our lives as Christians, if we're going to speak to the dry bones in our lives, the dry bones in our families, the dry bones in our church, the dry bones that are out there that God wants to raise up to life. Because God is a life-giving God. And yet God uses people and God used Ezekiel and God wants to use you to raise to life things that have died. Maybe hope that you had or dreams that you've had or opportunities that, that you let go of. Understand that God's a life-giving God. And in this moment, he did what he was commanded. What this is, is nothing less than Ezekiel recognizing who God is. Man, you're the sovereign Lord. You alone know the answer. Whatever you tell me, I'll do. In a phrase, what that's called is the fear of the Lord. And when I talk about the fear of the Lord, it's, we think of fear of being terror, and it's not. When, when we speak of the fear of the Lord, it's about a reverence. It's about a respect. It's about an honor. And, and we don't understand. We no longer have a real presence of honor or respect or reverence in our society. The last place we can look at that I'm aware of that it is supposed to be very evident, is in the military. In the military, when you're in there, I've never been there. My, our son was, I was going to say my son, but I don't want to take all the credit for that. <laughs> our son was in the military. He was in the Navy. He went into the Marines. Uh, he, he, he went to Afghanistan. He went out into a variety of oceans. And, and one thing I know was when somebody that was over him, that he had honor for and respect for, told him to do something, guess what happened? He did it. Now, if he didn't like the person, he still did it. Because in the military, there is an honor. There is a respect. Now, it's akin to what is in our relationship with God. God is the closest one to us. Is that right? 
He lives in us. He made that possible. But it doesn't change who he is. He's still the most high God. Man, you and I get in awe of people that make great movies, so the world says. Do spectacular things physically as athletes. Make a lot of money. We're, we're like, oh, did you say? But you and I are in the presence of Almighty God every day. And you know, if we got in the presence of somebody that we were so in awe of and, and, and had great awe and respect of, you know, you might not want to say anything or, you know, you might want to just watch. You don't want to do anything bad or uh, obnoxious that you'd get kicked out. Now, God's not going to kick you out, but there ought to be this, this holy awe that we have of God. And one of the things that happens is when we have respect and reverence and awe and honor for somebody, we begin to trust them. And when we trust them, we begin to obey them. And in a lot of our lives as Christians, because we don't have the fear of God, we aren't in awe of God, we are not determined to honor God, we don't reverence God, we take what God says and we consider it. Because we don't see God for who He is. There's no one like God. God is holy. That very thing ought to cause us when we're in His presence to be like, oh, wow, God, thank you. Thank you so much for, not that we're nothing, we're everything to God because He gave everything for us. But we're, we're able to be in His presence and we're able to be co-laborers with Him. God will, will invite us and allow us to do what he has planned to do from before the foundation of the earth. What a privilege. What an honor it is to us. And yet when, when, when we fear the Lord, we just are so focused, so aware, so drawn to, and so connected with him. And because of that, we begin to know him like never before. When we know him, we come to that place. Because who, who is it in your life that you trust today? You know, just think about that. It's probably somebody that you've known really well, and they've proven to you that they care about you, they love you, and they have your, their, your best interest at heart. And so you trust them. And when they give you some guidance, all of a sudden you're willing to do it because you think, you know, I, I can't just rely on me. But I'm telling you, it doesn't matter who it is that you just referenced. They are nowhere near as committed to you, as desiring the best for you, as willing to give everything for you as God is. And what we trust, we obey. You know, right now, if I, I yelled fire here, what would be your initial reaction? Okay, stand up. All right, that's a good start. Next reaction. 
Yeah, I knew some of you would say that. Run. Not the best next reaction. You need to look around, okay? Because if you just run, you're going to be a liability to you and everybody else. But you look around, and then you begin to run. And where do you run? All right. So you stand up. Really, the first thing we need to do is look around. Where are the exits? There are four of them in this room, right? And, and you're going to look around, and you're going to determine which exit are you going to go to. Now, if I yelled fire and flames were coming out of that door, that's a door with an exit sign on it, right? Are you going to run towards it? I know, I know, I know. But just stay with me. You're not going to run towards it because you can't trust it. But you know what? You don't know anything about what's behind these other doors at that moment. But you're going to run towards them. And this is what happens in our lives. Because we don't know, we haven't determined, predetermined what is the best course for our life. Which there is one, and that's God. When things go south, all of a sudden we're looking for exits in our lives. We're, we're, there's one there, there's one there, there's one there, fire's coming out of there, I can't do that. So, which is the closest one to me? And we get to that one and we find out it's not open for one reason or another. I want you to know, this happens in our life over and over and over again. We're making the best choices we can, but they're not the best choices because there's only one best choice, and that's God. God will always lead you in the path of life. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we don't have to guess which exit is the best for me. We know there's one that's going to lead us into the path of life, and that's Christ. But because we don't fear God, we don't reverence God, we don't honor God, we don't esteem God, we aren't in awe of God, we don't choose to make God the only one who knows the answer. And so we don't obey. And we get ourselves into all sorts of trouble. And then we cry out to God, God, save me. And God is so merciful to do that, to, to rescue us from our decisions and the results of them. When we could have just stayed on track with God. And so in this moment, Ezekiel is prophesying because he, 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 he prophesies as he was commanded because he fears God. Now, these are not going to be up here, okay, these scriptures, but you need to get them. You need to meditate on them. You need to build them into your spirit man so that you don't ever not fear God because the fear of God is a foundation. And so... When, when we look at what the Scripture tells us about the fear of God, Psalm 111, verse 10, says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Of wisdom. How many of you have recently, I don't want any hands, how many of you have recently asked God to give you wisdom? Help me understand what I need to do. Help me understand I'm telling you, if you and I don't fear God, if we don't have a reverential respect, honor, and awe of God, of his holiness, of his justice, of his power, of his wisdom, then 
we're just going to listen to consider what we might do. But if we have an awe of God, a fear of God, a respect and honor of God, we are going to listen to be obedient. You know, that's what Jesus did. Jesus said, I always do those things that please the Father. I have come to do the will of my Father, not my own, not somebody else's. He had a reverential fear of his Father. But was Jesus terrified of God the Father? No, there's no terror in this. But there is great awe, great respect, great honor, great trust, and great obedience. And the fear of the Lord, that awe of the Lord, is the beginning of wisdom. I don't know about you, I need wisdom every day, multiple times a day. Listen to what else the fear of the Lord is. The Bible tells us in Psalm 112, verse 1, blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Blessed. Now, I know that's on the list of all of us. We all want the blessing of God. But if we'll fear God, the blessing just comes. Because we're walking in what God has. We're being led by him. Then in, in Proverbs 19, verse 23, it says, The fear of the Lord leads to life. So if the fear of the Lord leads to life, if we don't honor, respect, and walk in awe of God, we're not going to walk in life. What are we going to walk in? Oh, you got to say it. Death. If we're not walking in life, we're off the path of life. Any step off the path of life is a step towards death. And I'm telling you, I'm tired of doing this dance on and off. I want to walk in the path of life. But I've got to fear God to do it because then I am not going to question. I'm not going to need some explanation. Do you notice that, that when he said, so I prophesied as I was commanded, and then he just began to speak because God didn't give him an explanation. God didn't give him understanding. You and I don't need that. We need just enough, and God gives us just enough to obey. Because if we're determining whether we'll obey based on where it's going, then we don't have an awe of God. We don't have a respect of God. We don't honor God. We don't, we don't reverence God, and we're not going to trust God. When we realize that the only one we need to be able to navigate life now, we need each other, but we need God before we need anybody else. If we don't think he's the only thing, then we'll, we'll take a look at all the other things out there because we think we're going to miss something, just like Adam and Eve thought they were going to miss something in the garden. And how'd that work out for them? You know, the enemy brought accusations about God. You know what? If, if, you, if you really knew what was going on, God's keeping something from you. There's something better out there. That caused the awe of God to be diminished. The respect, the honor, and the trust of God to be cut out from under them. And their obedience of God stopped. And it happens with us too. And we get in that same place. We find ourselves in a place where the enemy wanted us in a place of sin. 
In Proverbs 14, 27, it says, The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Isn't that what Jesus came to give us? John 10, 10, he came to give us what? Uh, don't stop at life, because that's not what he came to give us. Life and life more abundant. A fountain. It's ever flowing. It's ever fresh. It's ever alive. So Proverbs 14, 27 says, The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Now listen to the last of this. This verse goes on to say, And turns one away from the snares of death. I don't know about you, but I want that too. Man, the enemy's setting snares for all of us every day. Some of us have gotten caught in the snare of unforgiveness. And death is working in our lives. Or some other snare of sin. But, but this says, he turns one away. From, he, he, he is our navigator. He navigates us through life. Not that we aren't going to experience some challenging things. But in the midst of those challenging things, he said, if you'll follow me, I'll cause you to be overwhelmingly more than a conqueror in all things through Christ. Because we're, we're following him. We're, 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 we're being led by him. Psalm 34 verse 9 says, those who fear him will have no lack. Now I didn't write this, this is God's word. God watches over his word to perform it. But there is a need. We've got to fear him. We've got to have a holy awe and reverence and honor of God. That we're not going to be just critical of him and, and, and just investigating him. Well, I don't know. That doesn't seem right to me. And my friends don't agree with that. If our friends don't agree with God, you know what the Bible says? They're fools. If I don't agree with God, I'm a fool. Now, I won't tell you you're a fool because you might get offended and get snared. But we are. We're all fools when we think we know more than God. That's an area of deception. That's, that's not walking in the fear of God. And listen to this, Psalm 33. And this isn't all the, the uh, scriptures on the fear of the Lord, but this is just enough that we can... We can, we can get an idea. Psalm 33, verse 8 says, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants stand in awe of him. You know, we're living in a time that very few things are held in great honor and great respect. You know, it's happened so often that those that we have, we have held respect for and honor for, whether it's in the church or in the business world or in, in athletics or it's in uh, entertainment, they attain this level and people honor and respect them and all of a sudden we find out what's going on behind the scene and they go crashing down. And it's harder for us to respect anybody or honor anybody. We're, we're real jaded. But I want you to realize that's what human beings do. Don't put them up on pedestals. The only one that deserves to be lifted up above all is God. And he deserves all the honor, all the glory, all the time. And, and we're, we struggle with this because it's, it's, it's countercultural. It's counterintuitive. But it's because we've drifted so far from what God intended us to be. 
And even, even you know, I, I, as, as I, was, I was taking time with the Lord and this was just marinating in me and I was just meditating on it. As I was thinking about the glory of God, the goodness of God, how, how merciful, how loving, unlike anyone else, ever has been or ever will be. How kind, how generous. You know, I, I began to be aware that there were songs that were starting to just rise up, bubble up in me, songs from long ago. I don't sing them anymore. And you know, do you, do you, do you understand what praise and worship is for? You know who it's for? It's for God. It's for one. It's not for you. It's not for me. It's not what I like, what you like. It's all about Him. What it does is, and it's not something to be missed because I just want to get to the Word. Man, this prepares you to receive the Word because you're worshiping God. You're dropping all these things that you've been carrying and, and worried about and concerned about and focused on. And all of a sudden... You're lifting your focus, your attention, your faith from what is here to the one who is above it all. There's no one that has the perspective that God has unless we choose. We choose to honor and awe Him, be in awe of Him, respect Him, trust Him, obey Him. And this, this, this one song, I'm sitting in, in my chair and, and I, I purposely don't sing real loud here because I don't want to interfere with the good praise and worship. But I do sing. And uh, I began to sing this song that really was focused on him. And I began to sing, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, O my soul. Rejoice, take joy, my King, in what you hear. Let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. I exalt thee. You know, when I did that, the cares and the concerns, the struggles and the fears began to just fall. And the reason why was I shifted my focus to God. And I was, I was, I was getting things back in the right order. It is all about Him. 
And when we make it about anything else, all of a sudden, we lose that awe of God, that reverence, respect of God that, that we can't live without. It's a fountain of life. It helps us navigate through the snares of death. It's the beginning of wisdom. And Ezekiel had this. This is why Ezekiel, when he was asked, that's why he was picked. God knew his heart was fully towards him. There were a bunch of people in the nation of Israel that had given up hope. Considered their nation done. And Ezekiel didn't. He considered God. And God was searching and God found Ezekiel. And God spoke to Ezekiel and told him what he was going to do. And Helped Ezekiel locate himself. Just a little reminder. Can these bones live, Ezekiel? Oh, Lord, sovereign Lord, you alone know the answer to that. Man, that puts us right where we need to be. Did it put him down? No. But it exalted God where he needed to be. Only you know, Lord. And in that moment when he said that, God began to reveal his plan. I need you to prophesy. Prophesy to the breath. I will fill them with breath. And and. Sinews, I'll put sinews on them, and I'll put flesh on them, and then I'll put skin on them, and then I'll fill them with breath, and they'll live. And in that moment, God's revealed this, and Ezekiel is so given to the Lord, so expectant of the Lord. If you'd put that back up, verse 7, he said, so I prophesied as I was commanded. I prophesied as I was commanded. And look at the next. As I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling. When you and I speak what God wants us to speak, when we do what God wants us to do, something begins to happen. God begins to do what only He can do. If we'll do what He has for us to do, He'll do what we can't do. And you don't have to worry about that. All you have to do is be willing and be obedient. And it's, it's, you know, we, we think, well, yeah, yeah, he prophesied as he was commanded. You know, I'll do whatever God wants. But Jesus found in his day that there were people around him. And he addressed this very thing, lack of the fear of the Lord. In, in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, he says to all the people around him, the disciples, people that are following, you know he had mobs around him. He said, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things that I say? Now, in, in the original uh, language, whenever a word was repeated, Lord, Lord, it was for emphasis. It was not, they were saying, well, you know, you're Lord. They were really aware that he's Lord. He, they're, 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 they're aware that he's God. You're God. You are the Son of God. And, and yet, you recognize, but you don't relate it to obedience. See, if I ask every one of you here today, you at home, and I said, who's Lord? Jesus. But are we doing what Jesus says in the Word? Are we doing what the Word of God says? Or are we picking and choosing? Because if that's the case, we don't have the fear of the Lord. We don't have a foundation. And we're living in really desperate times, difficult times, that if you don't have a foundation, you're going to get cut off at the knees. 
There are going to be things that are coming along. We've seen it. We've already seen in our, our last couple of years things that have cut people off, cut them down. They're not walking with God anymore. And I'm telling you, it's not going to get easier. But the church that's really the church that is walking in the fear of God is going to get stronger and brighter and more glorious than ever before. And so, why do you call me Lord but don't do what I say? Well, you know. It, it's, it, it, that's an old book. It's not really applicable to the times we live in. I'm going to tell you something. It's an eternal book. It was before all this was created, and it's gone long after. So as we go through our cycles in our world, we need something to stabilize us. We need a foundation, and the fear of the Lord is a foundation. And if you and I don't fear the Lord, we're not going to have the life. We're not going to navigate these things in our lives. We're, we're, we are not going to have the things that God intended us to have. But we've chosen not to fear God, not to reverence God, not to honor God, not to trust God, not to obey God. And because of that, we can't have what God has given everything to give us. He gave his son, so all this would be yours. But if you and I will not fear God, we'll not have this. And it's not God's fault. So, so he says this, but this is, this, is, this is followed up by the rest of the Scripture. And when we look at, at verse 46 through 49, it says this, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, honor, trust, Fear the Lord, trust, obedience. Does them. I will show you whom he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when the floods arose, not if, when, the floods are arising in our world. When the floods arose, the, steam, the stream beat vehemently against the house and could not shake it, for it was for the house, sorry, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like the man who built his house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently. They were in the same environment. And immediately it fell, and the ruin of the house was great. Man, we're seeing, we're seeing people's lives get taken out. Are they alive? They're dead before they die. They're like the rest of those toll booth operators. They're just existing. Not surviving, existing. And as a Christian, we should never exist. We should never survive. We should thrive. We've been given life and life more abundant, but where are we? Who are we looking to? Who are we trusting? And who are we relying on? Who are we obeying? Us? Not a good choice. You know what you've chosen before. I know what I've chosen before. I wouldn't choose my choices. But I have no other choice if I don't put somebody out there as the go-to. 
Who's your go-to? And the answer can only be one that will make sure that your life is abundant, and that's Jesus. The go-to is God. It's His Word. It's His Spirit. Without that, we're going to get cut off. We're, our world's going to be rocked and knocked and knocked down. Going back to verse 9, where I wanted to start this week. But we had to go where we were. In Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 9. So Ezekiel did, he prophesied. I'm sorry, sure, I'll go back. You were right to verse 7. So I prophesied as I commanded. As I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly rattling and the bones came together bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them. But there was what? No breath in them. See, Ezekiel did what God told him and things started to come together because it's always a process. No matter how suddenly they start, and then there stood before him what appeared to the eyes as a perfectly formed, perfectly upright human being, but there was no breath. God wasn't done. Sometimes we look at things and they appear to have everything together, everything in the right place, everything that, that, that looks like God said, but we can't just run off and say, so I got it from here, Lord. There was no breath. And then in verse 9, we see that God said to him, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath. Breathe on these slain that they may live. There is a continuation of what God was doing. And Ezekiel had to be obedient to speak and speak and prophesy to the breath. Now we know that we've talked about this before. The word breath in the Hebrew means wind. It means breath. But it was also the word that was used most often for Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. And we're going to look into this in the upcoming weeks. But right now we're, we're, we're going to end. But it's important that you get what God has for you today. And the thing that, that God's so impressed on me personally, to not just jump over to get to the next part, to see the new. Because if we miss the fact that Ezekiel was a person that was really alive to God, fully committed to, to God, God's eyes are searching throughout all the earth, for one whose heart is fully turned, fully committed to him, that he can show himself strong on their behalf. Ezekiel was that person, but the reason why Ezekiel was, he had a great reverence, he had a great awe, he had a great honor of God. And because of that, it set him up to trust God and to obey God. And you and I have that same opportunity. We're living in the days that there are all sorts of dead bones, Throughout our lives, our families, our country, our world. 
the churches, and we need to speak life. We need to speak life to them. But you and I have to choose. This is not, okay, this church is all going to do it. No, people in that church will and people in that church won't. People in this church will and people in this church may not. But you have to choose. You have to choose. And not let this slip. Not let this go the way of other things. This can't ever move out of being a priority in our lives that we fear God, that we reverence God, that we respect God, that we, we are in awe of God. The 21 days of prayer helped us to refocus on God, on his word. I have been so blessed by this, and I, I need this to continue. And I, I, I don't know how to continue except keep going over the, fir, the 21 again on 21 days. And I am, I'm committed to doing that because I pray a lot. But there was something in that that helped me just gain a little ground. And I don't want to lose ground. It's too easy. And it's too costly. So if you would just bow your heads right now, it's important that, that in this moment, first of all, if you, you know Jesus is Lord, it's time to make him Lord again. Really Lord, not just say Lord, Lord, but be willing to be obedient to what he says, which you know, one thing that comes to mind, we endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. The body of Christ has been more divided than we have seen in years and years and years. And it's over the stupidest things. When we think about vaccines or about politics or about this or about that, why in God's name would we ever elevate that to stand against the prayer that Jesus prayed? Father, I pray that they would be one as you and I are one. And we let these incidentals, and I call them incidentals, not because they aren't important to this world, but they're not important to eternity. And we're supposed to be living for eternity, not for this life. And yeah, if you're going to trust Jesus for your salvation, can't you trust him for the politics and for the medication and all these other things. I mean, we need to be following Christ above all these other things. Because if we don't, we are going to be continued to be fractured and fragmented. Or we can put it all aside and put Jesus first. Put his word first. Walk in love. Because Jesus said, they'll know you're my disciples by your love. One for another. Not your... Your questioning of each other, not your accusations of each other, your love. And I guess if, if, if those other things are more important than the Lord, then they are. And, and you, you have every right to choose whatever you want. But it's not going to get what God has for you. The Bible says it's not by might or by power, it's by His Spirit. And as we begin to once again Walk in the fear of the Lord, the honor, the reverence, the awe of God. We'll begin to trust Him and turn to Him and obey Him like never before and experience His overflowing life. If you're here this morning and, and you are a Christian, 
then make that determination that this you, you've got to sure up the foundation. Sometimes in houses, you've got to go back in and, and bolster up the foundation. This is one of those moments where we've got we've to sure up the foundation before we go further. Because what God's going to build won't be held by our flimsy foundations. And if you have never trusted Christ, that's where it begins. None of this is possible without him, and he is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the author and the finisher of our faith. And if you're here today or at home and you've never realized how much you need God and how awesome and amazing God is, he is so far above all people, all the things of the earth. With God, all things are possible. And he desires that you have life and life more abundant. But we have to recognize who he is, repent of where we've gone and turn back to him and receive the gift of his son and his gift that he gave on the cross of his life to pay the price for our sins. So this morning we're going to pray a prayer and I would invite you to pray with me. I'm inviting everyone to pray. So let's pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son Jesus who came into this earth, lived a sinless life, went to the cross willingly, and died on the cross for my sin was raised glorious and victorious and seated at the right hand of the Father now. Lord Jesus, I've sinned. I ask you to come into my life. Be Lord of my life. Cleanse me. Save me. Be my God. Govern me. Guide me and guard me. From this day forward, I am yours. You are mine. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. If you prayed that prayer here, let somebody know before you leave today because we want to celebrate the new life that you've begun. We also want to pray for you. So let us know, let uh, Usher know, let Pastor Gabe and myself, Judy or Debbie know. Uh, if you're at home and you've prayed, let us know. Go to the website, reslifeny.org. Go down to where the prayer requests are. Let us know that you prayed. If you want us to pray for you by name, give us your name. And if you want us to contact you, give us some contact information. You know the best is yet to come. The darkest days for the earth is coming. But the brightest, most glorious days for the, the church are coming. And you and I have the privilege to be a part of it now. Amen. I have uh, some, just a family announcement I'm going to share with you. You know, we're talking about the fear of the Lord and how, how important it is to reverence God, to honor God, to respect God, to be in awe of God more than anyone else. And and as we do, we trust him and he guides us. We can, we can be obedient to whatever he has. And uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1 says, 
there is a, a season for everything and, and a time for everything under heaven. God, God has things that he does in seasons and times, and, and we've all experienced it. I mean, we're, we're waiting for the season of spring, and it's coming. It's coming. But, but God does what he does for a purpose that is beyond what we understand always, but we can be assured of something. When we don't understand, please know this. When you and I don't understand what God's doing or why God's doing it, understand that you can be confident that no matter whether you understand it, it's going to be good. Now, it may not be easy, but it's always going to be good. It's going to be best. And, uh, you know, with these seasons, we see seasons in the natural. We also see, see seasons in people's lives. And Pastor Gabe and Judy fear the Lord. They are people that seek God, and they honor God, and they reverence God, and they walk in awe of God. And and they desire God's will in their lives. And we've seen that. We have been so blessed to see how they have, have given themselves to God and, and for what God is doing. And they have been praying and they realized a while back that there was a season that was, was going to be changing. And as they prayed, they got more insight and understanding. And um, their season is changing in a few months. They are going to be uh, following God's direction for them to uh, relocate to Florida. And, you know, that, that in that moment where we hear that, we're, it, it's tough because we're like, no, that can't be God. Because it doesn't seem good, but it is. This is what God has. This is the best thing for Pastor Gabe and Judy. It's also the best for us. God never does, does something that this one gains and this one loses. When God does what he does, he gains. And you're going to gain. You may say, how do I gain from Pastor Gabe and Judy relocating as God's directing them to Florida? Think about it. You now have a place to go in Florida. But, but the thing, seriously, the thing that, that we all know is that their hearts are so turned to God. They want nothing but what God wants. And, and, and it, it's not easy for them. But they want to be obedient to God because they know their obedience would be better than sacrifice. So in a couple of months, they're going to be moving to Florida. But we've got them for a few, few more months. So make the most of it and be praying for them, realizing that God takes us from what? Glory to glory. And that's what he's doing with them. God is doing what is best for them and the people he's sending them to and what's best for, for RLC. So we have to trust because we walk in the fear of the Lord. And so we honor, we respect, we trust God. And God always does the best. Every good and perfect gift comes from him. And he leads us in paths of righteousness. And so be praying for them. Know that no matter where you go, you're still part of us. We claim you. And uh, seriously be praying for, for them because the things ahead of them God has are really great.
Would you stand? Heavenly Father, thank you. Father, we thank you for Pastor Gabe and Judy. We thank you for the great gifts that they are. And Lord, they, as much as we claim them, we know they're yours, and they always have been. We thank you for the example that they are to us and always will be of, of fearing you, honoring you, respecting you, trusting you, obeying you, and here they are doing it again. So, Father, we just thank you that, that your word says the willing and obedient will eat the best of the land. So we, we thank you for your, your uh, best overcoming them and overwhelming them. And, Father, your best overcoming and overwhelming this body of believers. Because, Father, you don't do anything that's bad. Every good and perfect gift comes from you. And so today, Father, we want to begin to walk as Pastor Gabe and Judy have and given us an example of fearing you. We want to walk in a greater depth of your fear, of your reverence. Help us to always be aware of who you are. There's none like you. You are high and lifted up above the earth. You have a perspective. You have an ability. You have a plan that exceeds all of ours together, and yours is best. So, Father, this week, as we walk out this week, we thank you that you are with us and for us. And you go ahead of us and prepare the way. And you're our rear guard. And, Father, you're going to guide us in paths of righteousness for your namesake. And when we encounter those things that are adversarial, Father, help us to recognize but they're just opportunities for us to see again how great you are. So, Father, we, we bless you. We praise you. We desire to live our life to honor you and to fulfill your will in this earth for your glory, your praise, and your honor. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. have a great week.